You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. What's up, church fam? I'm so excited to be with you today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Barnabas Willis, and I'm one of the pastors here at Mosaic. Uh, You guys probably remember lead pastor, the one and only Morgan Stevens. He is actually out on vacation for a few weeks, get some much needed rest and time with family. And so I'm going to be sharing with you today something that he asked me to talk about since we finished the series last week and we're starting a new one next week. He asked me, to share with you today uh, lessons that I've learned over the course of this year as it relates to to, to facing challenges and and navigating really a difficult uh, time uh, this this year. And so uh, I'm going to be sharing with you in just a little bit four lessons that I've learned in 2020 and hope that it will help us as we get ready to start 2021. Um, But before I dive into those four lessons, I just wanted you to know that I had a hard time coming up with a message title. That's like the hardest thing out of everything is finding a good title. And so I I had these thoughts that would come and it was like, oh, that's good, but it's not the one. And so I just wanted you to hear the top five message titles that didn't make the cut. I think you're going to enjoy this. Okay. So here are the top five message titles that did not make the cut. Are you ready? Of course you are. Let's go. Number one, how I feel about 2020. Bye, Felicia. And number two, dear 2019, you weren't that bad. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I apologize 2019 every day. Number three, bad breath. What's behind your mask? Let's be honest. A little halitosis going on during COVID. All right. Number four, the 19 behind COVID stands for how much weight I've gained during the pandemic. Let's just say this, this, this music stand is hiding some things. It's all right. All right. And number five, what you've been waiting for. If 2020 were a pizza topping, it would be dog poop. Yes, that's, that is correct. I will never see pizza the same. So uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Obviously, I'm just having some fun. Uh, the, the real title of today's message is Live and Learn. Lessons that change our route, but not our direction, our destination. Again, live and learn lessons that change our route, but not our destination. And so before we kick off, I want to just say a, a quick word of prayer and then we'll dive right in. Lord, I just thank you for, for every single person that is under the sound of my voice. I pray today, Father, that I would move out of the way that you would speak through me. And I pray, Father, that the things that you've um, just spoken to my heart over the course of the year, I pray it would be an encouragement to your people. I pray that you would, you would give them what they need to, to walk in all the things that you have for them. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned earlier, there are four life lessons I've learned over the past 12 crazy months, and I hope that it will help us as we walk into the next 12 months. And I want to share these simple lessons, and my prayer is that it will be helpful and beneficial for you as it has been for me. And those four lessons are permission to pursue our dreams, Number two, courage to fight for our purpose. Number three, freedom to leave the past behind. And lastly, an invitation to search for joy. So let's dive right in. And so the first one, permission to pursue our dreams. At the beginning of this year, I begin to get these random ideas. And this isn't uncommon for me because uh, my wife will tell you, I'm always sharing these ideas with her and she, she's so supportive. She would always encourage me, you should do something with that. And I would respond, Psst. 
just ain't nobody got time for that. Like there's so much going on in our world right now. And but this year, at the beginning of this year in January, uh, here I am with these new ideas that begin to almost come like a flood. And, and it felt a little different because it was almost overwhelming at first. But after, uh, you know, a few days, I would start writing things down for, the, for a couple of weeks. And then I started having conversations with some friends, some people that are doing some really cool things like on social media, starting their own podcast, doing their own businesses, and just started kind of bouncing off these ideas uh, because other people are doing cool stuff in the middle of a crazy worldwide uh, crisis. And so to, 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 I begin to get excited. I start, start writing these ideas down. I'm like, okay, God, maybe you're, you're doing something. Maybe you're probing my heart to do something. And so I, I decide that I'm, I'm going to, 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 to begin to do something, nothing spectacular, but just something by my birthday. What happened to be at the end of May this past summer. And so, as you know, COVID enters in like the drunk uncle who crashes your wedding. And, and here I am, like, just, whoa, I wasn't expecting it. And so, like, now in the Rona's defense, uh, yeah, the Rona, that's what we nickname him, um, he, the, the Willis household was already kind of crazy before. Let's, let's be honest. Like we had a lot going on and we knew that 2020 was going to, to be crazy. I, I work full time. My wife began nursing school, which is a very intense program. We have two beautiful, young and demanding children whose primary purpose in life is to suck the life out of their parents. Now they do a lot of other cool things, but that's the main one that they do and they do it very, very well. And so uh, here we are, you know, and, 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 and now we're in this place where this, these dreams and these ideas are coming in. So on top of all the things that are in my world, God, you want me to to add this to my already full plate of life? Are you, are you, are you serious? I don't, I, don't, I'm, I don't think this is going to work. And maybe some of you identify with this and, and maybe something begins to stir in your, in your heart and maybe the timing seems impossible or even ridiculous. Perhaps you, you don't think that you have what it takes to, to, to do that thing or to, to pursue that dream or something's been ignited on inside of you. But I'd like to share a verse with you that encouraged me as I process this. And it's from Proverbs chapter 16. And it's verse 3, a very short and simple verse. It says this, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. I'll read it again. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. It seems pretty straightforward, right? I mean, for some of you, you, you look at that and you might say, this sounds too good to be true. It's almost like a pipe dream. Is that it? And other people might read that verse and, and get really excited because it sounds like all I have to do is ask God to bless my plan and he's going to make it happen. But let's take a moment to pause and really dive into and unpack what this really means. There are two key words in this verse that contribute to its depth and its meaning. Those words are commit and established. Now the word commit in Hebrew translates to meaning roll away or trust. The word established uh, translates to quite a few different definitions, but there's four of them that I want to, to, to highlight because they stuck out to me quite a bit. To arrange order, to be directed aright, provide for, accomplish. So allow me to, to rephrase this verse by, by replacing the actual words with their definition for added clarity. It reads like this, entrust your work to the Lord and your plans will be directed aright, arranged, provided for, and or accomplished. I'll read it again. Entrust your work to the Lord and your plans will be directed aright, arranged, provided for, and or accomplished. When you say it like that, it sounds different, doesn't it? I used to think the whole point of giving my dreams to God is so he could fulfill them. It never occurred to me that instead I give my dreams, my plans to him so he could perfect them. 
to make them better. In our home, we've developed a phrase. It's called daddy fix. And so whenever a toy gets broken or it, 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 the batteries go out, they, somebody will say daddy fix. And it's like the, the bat signal goes into the evening sky. And then I fly down like the dark night coming in to, to fix all that's been broken. It's actually awesome, except when I can't fix it, then it's less awesome. But it's amazing. You can imagine what happens after I fix that, that, that broken toy, that broken thing. My kids, their faces light up. Yay, you fixed it. And it's, it's the coolest feeling. And, you know, even before fixing it, I can feel this, this expectation, this, this anticipation. There's this amount of hope and trust. It's an unbelievable, unbelievable amount of faith that they have that whenever that thing, that toy, that gadget, whatever it is, it leaves daddy's hands. It's going to be made right. It's going to be fixed. They believe that. And in a similar way, we ought to view our dreams and our plans like that, like imperfect and broken. And when we bring them before God to fix, to align with his greater plan for our lives. Now, now we're, 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 our plans were never intended to be ours anyway, right? And when we think about our goals and our aspirations, they were never meant to be solely our possessions. And asking God to bless our plans is not the same as giving God our plans. And we, we know we've rolled it away to him. We know that we've trusted him with it. When it ceases to be my thing and it begins to be our thing, it becomes less about what I did or what I created and more about what God is doing in and through me through all of us. And so over five years ago, I, I uh, began this transition from my old job. At the beginning of that year in 2015, my wife and I started praying about what the next step was. We talked to my director, or I talked to my director and, and said, hey, by August of this year, I plan on transitioning out and didn't have any plan. I started to, to apply for jobs and application after application and just trusting that whatever was going to happen, God was going to make it clear. Didn't even know that at around the same time there was an, an opening, a need that occurred here at, at the, the church and, and that God had a plan that was different from my plan. I was looking at being an underwriter, working in insurance, being a recruiter, whatever the, it would be. God, whatever it is, I, I was going to make that transition. And he made it really clear by this opportunity coming up that, that he was redirecting me. And as he did so, the transition was provided for and was accomplished. My hope is that We'll view our plans, our goals, our, our dreams in a similar way that, that my kids view their, their toys, their malfunctioning toys, like this broken and imperfect thing to be brought before our Heavenly Father so He can make it as it should be. And this leads me to the second lesson, which is God also gives us courage to fight for our purpose. Someone once told me many years ago that if you don't come head to head with the devil, you're probably walking with them. Uh, now, before I, I got offended by the comment, I, I chose to interpret this as, as meaning that, that if you don't experience some opposition from the enemy in your, in your walk with Jesus, then you're probably not seen as a threat. It's like playing basketball. You never want to be that guy that no one from the other team bothers to even guard, right? I mean, it just means that you're pointless on the court, right? <laughs> you know, it's like Shaquille O'Neal at the three-point line. He's not going to make that. Sorry, Shaq, you, just, you can't do it. But if he gets anywhere near the rim, somebody better play some defense. You know, it's, and, it's, and you think the person uh, standing on the other side of the net from Serena Williams has their tennis court on, over their shoulder, twirling their thumbs, thinking nothing's going to happen. No, not at all. They're, they're, they are on guard. They're, re they're in ready stance because they know that she is a threat. And at any moment, she could strike and it's game over. 
Now, that's what I, I want to be viewed by, by, the, by the enemy. I want the enemy to see me this way. I want him to be terrified of what God has placed on the inside of me because he knows that when it comes out, heaven is going to break loose. And I, I don't know about any of you, but I'm tired of hell breaking loose in life. I, I think it's time for heaven to break out in my life, in your life, and all across the earth. But oftentimes, in order for this to happen, we find ourselves having to go through seasons of difficulty. And there are these moments where you wonder if you're doing something wrong just because life is so hard. You, you, you encounter challenge after challenge, roadblock after roadblock, and it has to be a sign to give up, right? To give up believing for that new career, to give up on your marriage, to give up on that promise that God spoke to you all those years ago. Maybe it was all a big misunderstanding. Maybe you misheard the message you thought you received from God. Or maybe... Just maybe, God might be asking you to fight. Maybe the promise won't come without pain. Maybe the, 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 the word requires you to go to war. Maybe the fulfillment of the covenant that God has made with us, it, it means that it's going to require some combat. Psalm 144 verses 1 and 2 says this. It says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love, my fortress my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he is in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. As much as I love to sit on my couch in my living room and watch one of my favorite superhero movies while God fights my battles, that's not really how it works. Now, don't get me wrong. God does fight our battles, but I think the mistake we often make is assuming that it, it, it doesn't require us to join him on the battlefield. So we sit passively and we say, God, where did you go? And all the while, he's in the middle of the war zone fighting for us, but also waiting for us. I can't help but think about the story of Gideon. For time's sake, I, I won't read it, but I'll just paraphrase it. The details can be found in Judges chapters 6 through 8. But basically, the, the Midianites and the Melekites, they, they join with some other forces and, and they have probably about 135,000 soldiers, as estimated. And, and, and here we are with, with Gideon, who's the, uh, the military leader. He's the judge and the prophet for Israel at the time. And he has 32,000 soldiers, less than a fourth of what this other army has. It's a big difference. And so God tells Gideon, your army is too big, too many. He says, you need to downsize, brother. You need to downsize. And so Gideon turns to his army of 32,000 men. And he says, hey, if anybody's scared, you can go home. And to his surprise, 22,000 men turn around and leave. Now, I don't know about, about Gideon. I don't know about, about you, but, but I would be tempted to be one of those 22,000 that left. I would, hey, Dante, you're in charge now. Good luck and walk away. But Gideon didn't do that. And in fact, he's left with these 10,000 men. And, and God says, hmm, still too many. <laughs> and so now this, this, this army that started with 32,000 was 10,000. Now is 300 men. That's less than 1% of what he started with. And I don't know about you. I'm having all kinds of questions going inside my, my mind. Like, God, what are you doing? Did, did you see how many people they have? I'm, I'm, I'm baffled. But Gideon presses forward. And it seems like impossible odds, right? I mean, you know how the story ends, right? He, he, the God helps these 300 men and they defeat the Midianites. But before they get to that point, Gideon was given an opportunity to not just fight, but to fight in what appeared to be a losing battle. Yet God wanted to show Gideon 
that he was his true refuge and that he would subdue the Midianites under him. I believe God wants to do the same thing with us. He wants us to join him on the battlefield to fight for our purpose and our calling, to push through the rejection, the feeling of inadequacy and and the, the feeling that we experience when things aren't as we feel they ought to be, to continue to pray and believe that God is a God who keeps his promises. Even if it feels like we're outnumbered and we're fighting in vain, God wants us to be okay with experiencing the enemy's resistance in our life and remembering that it's rarely a sign of God's absence or his punishment. It's just the enemy's attempt to throw us off course because he knows the power which is at work within us. And it's a threat to the kingdom of darkness. So whatever you're, you're doing right now in the season of your life, whatever thing you, you feel you want to give up on, I want to encourage you that whether you're swinging a sword or blowing a trumpet, God's calling you to fight. I want to encourage you to join God on the battlefield. This brings me to the third lesson. It's a quick one. And it's God gives us the freedom to leave the past behind. One of the big things that gets in the way of us fighting the good fight is being stuck in the past. Sometimes our history and experiences, they get in the way of us walking and moving forward into the things that God has for us. They're like these ghosts of the past that hunt us. They paralyze us with fear. They fill us with doubt and insecurity. Here's what God has to say about the past in Isaiah 43. It says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. My, my hope is that we would begin to, to view the past like a museum. We would, we would go to explore and to learn from our mistakes and we come back to the now where God has called us to be. And we take those lessons that we've learned and we become a better version of ourselves, a version of ourselves that looks more like Jesus. God is asking us to be on this journey where he is going to turn these losses into lessons, these setbacks, into stepping stones, these scars, into birthmarks for something new. If we open our eyes, I'm sure, confident, we'll see that he is doing a new thing. It's okay to visit the past, but God never intended for us to build a house there. He desires that we, 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 we go there to, to, to visit, but not live there because we can't be in two places at the same time. You can only have one primary residence. You can't be in two places at once. You can't be in the past and in the present. So let's be honest. We, we really hate it when people view us or look at us based on what happened in our past. And, and whether you were the bully in middle school who took your, your classmates' lunch money, or maybe it were younger kids' lunch money, or maybe you were the, 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 the nerd in high school who everybody wanted to cheat off of but never wanted to hang out with, or maybe you were the life of the party in college, whatever you were, you don't want people to, to look at you through the lenses of, of, of then, the past. You want them to see you for who you are the summation of all those experiences, the, the beautiful person that you've become different today. Shouldn't we give ourselves the same grace? Why reduce the entirety of who God has called us to be to past successes and failures? Our past doesn't have to define us, but it can direct us. When we put the past in its rightful place, it no longer is a memory the enemy uses to imprison us, but instead it becomes a part of the process that God uses to perfect us. Lastly, the number four lesson is that God invites us to search for joy. 
Psalm 1611 says this, it says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I don't know about you, but when you read this, it sounds real good, but there have been moments in my life that it felt like joy was nowhere to be found. In my experience, joy rarely appears to be this low hanging fruit that's so easily accessible particularly in times of difficulty. Joy is often camouflaged in the background of pain and suffering. And I think that's especially true of this year. Uh, I remember recently I had a small scale experience with having to search for joy in the midst of unexpected events. This happened this past month. I woke up on, on Thanksgiving morning I, and I was excited about some good food, hanging out with the family. And as I was cleaning, I was sweeping near the, the bed in our master bedroom. And uh, on the wall is this retractable laundry rack. You'll see a picture of it on your, on your screen. And so here I am working away. I'm just sweeping, you know, just getting my sweep on. And, and I'm not paying attention to what's above my head, and as I'm sweeping by this, this, this laundry rack, my head crashes into this thing, and I, I fall to the ground immediately, and I may or may not have said some unholy words in that moment. Don't judge me. Just pray for me. So a few minutes go by as I laid on the floor and I go to the bathroom, I, I get up and I look in the mirror and there's my head's bleeding in the corner of my head near my hairline. Blood is coming down. And so, yeah, it's going to be okay. It's Thanksgiving, right? It's all good, right? So I move on. And about an hour later, I cut on the oven to preheat it so I can put the cornbread in. This is going to be the base for the, the Thanksgiving dressing that will be made for the first time by yours truly. And so all of a sudden, my wife says, babe, there's a fire in the oven. Uh, uh, yes, you heard right, a fire in the oven. So I'm like, what? So I look in the oven, and lo and behold, there's this little flame in the bottom right corner of the oven. So I quickly turn off the oven, turn it back on, probably with some gook in the bottom of the oven that, you know, got burned or something. No big deal, right? Wrong, because I put the cornbread in and 45 minutes later, it's still a pot of ooey gooey, non-cooked dough. And so the oven's broken, the heating element cracked. And so now the oven is not available for us to use for Thanksgiving Day. Oh, joy, where have you gone? The next day, we're driving on the highway with our kids to go to a park that we've never been to, to do a family hike. And as we're driving, my head is down. I'm looking at my phone. Yolanda glances down. I believe she's looking at the directions that are on her phone to make sure we're going uh, the right way. And literally, I, I, I look, lift my head up, and there's this bush-like branch in the middle of the road. And, and, and mind you, we're going 65 miles per hour. So I scream, babe, watch out. And, and she, she, she lifts her face and she, she, she panics and she, she swerves. And then we, we hit this SUV in the lane next to us. And we're all like going crazy. And fortunately, we weren't hurt. We pull over to the shoulder and we exchange insurance with the, the, the driver and he and his passengers uh, go about their way. And before we pull away, after being shaken up, the first thing, um, my wife begins to do is to pray. And the first thing out of her mouth is, God, thank you for protecting us. She's so holy. She's so holy because me, your, one of your pastors, on the other hand, had a different thought process. I was like, yeah, thanks, God. You could have caused a gust of wind to come and blow the branch out of the road. But no, you would much rather me run into Mr. Uber driver who's taking his passengers to the airport. Thanks, for nothing. That's, that's what I felt like. I mean, you can judge me all you want. I'm being honest. Too real? Okay, I'm sorry. But even in that moment, 
I got a chance to be real with God where I was in my heart. And as, we, as I joined my wife in prayer, I asked him to help me to find my joy, to find my gratitude. The rest of the day ended up being rainy, so we, we head home. We watched a movie with our kids. We put them down for a nap, and while they were sleeping, I got this idea to, to create an a, a indoor obstacle course for our kids. And so I put together this quick obstacle course. They wake up, and we have a blast going through it as a family. We're, we're videoing, we're laughing, we're joking, and it was so much fun. There was joy there. And you even rewind to the day before. The, as you remember, the oven was broken, and so we, we obviously still needed to eat. My awesome neighbor allowed us to use her oven. I was able to cook some dressing. I was able to, to, to make some mac and cheese, which was, was, was the bomb. It was the bond. Thanksgiving was saved. We ended up having an amazing time hanging out, playing games. It was a beautiful day filled with joy. If we allow the, 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 the truth that comes from God's word to shed light on our circumstances in many ways, and in many cases, we're able to see joy be illuminated. The point is that these unexpected events, they're going to happen and they, they may result in us altering our, our plans and even altering our lives, but they don't have to cause us to give up our joy. And for many of us, the most difficult aspects of this year has been the, the loss of connection as a result of not gathering the way that we used to. Yet miraculously, my, my family has experienced community in ways that we never have before. My wife and I have moved five times in the last decade since we've been together. And, and this is the first time that we've experienced a level of fellowship in our neighborhood, uh, a community outside of our church community. And it's been amazing to, to stand outside of our garage and be out, outdoors and have conversations with our neighbors and connect. It's been a true gift and a blessing. Our son and our daughter have developed a, a, a tight bond and friendship that's hard to describe. They love one another and they enjoy one another. It is a beautiful thing to watch. I believe John Piper captures it well in his definition of joy. He says this, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. My hope is that God will give us new vision to be able to, to, to find joy, to, to see joy, not just in God's word, but even in the world around us. Maybe many of you look back in the course of this year, and your plans seem like they've been ruined. Pursuing your dreams maybe seems impossible. Fighting for your, for your purpose like a daunting task, this walking in the freedom from the past seems like it's not even attainable. And finding joy seems like this endless search. I want to encourage you that in the midst of probably one of the most difficult seasons and years that many of us have ever experienced, there's hope. So here's what I want to do right now. Here's how I want to close our time together. When it comes to that last lesson, the invitation to search for joy, it's not really my invitation. It's actually, I believe, God's invitation. And so I'd like to invite you into that by doing something very simple this week. I, wanna, I want you to find a quiet place. I, I, want you, I, want, I know this can be hard, especially if you've got small kids. I've got a couple of small kids. I've got a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And so if I'm able to do it, I'm confident you can pull it off. You can do it. Uh, it doesn't matter where this place is. It can be somewhere in your home. It could be your car. Uh, it could be anywhere. The point is to find a place where you can be alone with God. So when you find this place, I want you to write down 10 things that happened this year to you that you're grateful for. And it doesn't matter what those things are, just write them down. And, and after you complete this list, one by one, I want you to begin to thank God out loud for all those things. 
So I'll recap this for you. So this is a searching for joy exercise that I'm asking you to do. I want you to find a, 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 a quiet place. That's the first thing. Second thing is to write down 10 things that happened this year that you're grateful for. And the third thing is to thank God for them out loud. It's really important for you to speak those things out loud. Can I pray for us? Lord, I just thank you for your word, for your truth. I thank you, God, that even in the midst of difficulty, pain, loss, that we can experience your presence and your purpose in our lives. And I pray, God, that as we end 2020, I know the temptation would be to be angry and frustrated, to be mad at what's transpired and maybe even be mad at you. But I pray, God, that you would give us new vision. I pray, God, that you would, you would help us to be able to, to acknowledge and see the things that you've done on the inside of us, the, the lessons that you, you wanted us to, to, to learn, the, the ways that you've given us freedom from, from the past, the way you've allowed us to, to, to find joy, the, the way that you've, you've given us the, the ability to fight, Lord God, when we feel weak and defeated. God, I pray you would help us. God, would you help us? We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. And we ask that you would bring to completion the very thing that you've begun in us. God, we love you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.